Welcome to The Ladder, a podcast series for aspiring turf managers currently climbing the career ladder, and also for those already at the top who would like to better understand their Generation Y staff members. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy. Welcome to this episode of The Ladder brought to you by Steck Equipment. I'm your mediator today, John Reitman. I'm here at Longview Country Club in Verona, Pennsylvania with Josh Saunders. And uh, Josh, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Tell us specifically, you've been here uh, about five, six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the challenges you've had here in attracting labor and the things you're doing to try to work around that. Okay. Well, uh, as far as when I started, you know, I, I inherited a... Uh, a pretty tenured staff, a seasoned staff for lack of better words. And so my challenge was basically trying to get a staff in place that was going to be able to achieve and handle the task that I wanted to put at hand, obviously. So um, first thing I did is really looked at interviews, interviewed all my staff and realized that a very early start that I needed to basically clean house. So I eliminated all my part-time employees. I had about 15 part-time employees and I actually started, I came from a Hispanic workforce background and started utilizing the H2B program. So I've been going through the governmental process with that for years, but each year before I even start that, I open it to the public because ultimately I want to hire Pittsburghers. I want to hire people from Western Pennsylvania. And doing that's part of the H2B process. Right. You have to do that prior to going through it. So yeah, I'm killing two birds at one stone, but I would rather reduce that number because I mean, it's a whole nother topic, but H2B program is getting harder and harder and harder. So I think anyone that actually utilizes the H2B program would sit here and honestly say, yeah, I'd love to have an American workforce. The problem is, is no one wants to do this work anymore. You know, whether I'm the tail end of the last of the generations that loves to get out and sweat and get dirty and work, I don't know. I guess the jury will still be out on that one. But, you know, what I found very early as I started, as, as I interviewed and started doing postings, is that, you know, people, A, didn't want to commit to the hours. They don't want to commit to weekends. And then, unfortunately, with our region, the opioid and drug issues, the amount of people that I would sit right here at this desk and say, can you pass a drug test because it is a prerequisite to work here, people would get up and walk out, like right in front of me. And unfortunately, I think we're getting down this road where there's like two different cultures. The culture that doesn't want to do this work and then the culture that may, but how can we hold them accountable for doing the work? So that's why I look to alternatives and uh, utilize the H2B program and have for the last five years. Um, outside of my actual working staff, you know, assistant realm is just a whole different ball game. And, you know, I, we were talking about it a little bit earlier as far as interns. I've posted every year for an intern, still haven't gotten one. So it's, it's very concerning, the state of the industry right now um, and the amount of assistants that are out there um, looking for jobs, needing jobs, and then, you know, 
the amount of students that are in universities and do we have enough that's going to facilitate all these assistant jobs because ultimately too we're going to have a major turnover at some point and you can already see it starting to kind of happen a lot of big name soups retired in the last couple of years a lot of a lot of big name soups are moving on to other jobs too so that trickle down effect goes nationwide throughout our industry and how are we going to be able to keep that revolving door going if we don't have them in place so what i've done is a lot of things in the sense of uh really getting after trying to tap into different demographics you know i'm very active with the first tee of pittsburgh um and trying to encourage them that hey our side is okay you know um and you can't play golf unless you have a golf course someone has to maintain that golf course you know i always say we're like doctors really you got to have doctors you got to have golf course superintendents who else is going to take care of it mm -hmm. right so um you know, trying to get out there, uh, career fairs, um, you know, I've attended a few of those, uh, going to speak at Penn State, et cetera, just doing everything I can to make our industry appealing. Really, that's been my, for my focus. Now, you mentioned the inability to attract an intern. You're offering housing and can't get an intern. When you're in an area where other clubs get tournaments and they're on that on that regular circuit how much do you is is that influencing kids decisions today i think it's a hundred percent influencing everyone's decision um and i think that's very unfortunate um not every club is fortunate enough to host a major not every club is fortunate enough to host a pga tour event that's only a small percentage of the grand scope of this industry and I think, you know, not to rustle any feathers, and I surely hope no professors hear this, but if they do, it would be great, that I think that's getting lost in communication. You know, and I, I, I say this all the time when I go and I've, I've spoke at Penn State or I, I talk to assistants or other assistants that, you know, I think it's very important to utilize all your years as an intern. There is nothing wrong. I personally did it with going and hosting and being a part of a tour event or a major because that looks great on your resume, right? We all know that. And as an employer, I see that and I look at an assistant and I see that maybe they've been to Marion or Oakmont or X or Y and all oh, that's great. But I want to see more of what their practical experience was. And I think that really needs to be addressed and really broadcast to the generations of turf students that are coming in because personally as a manager now if i see a resume that's loaded with top 100 clubs that's hosted tournaments i'm going to question if that if that applicant's ever sprayed anything before has he ever mixed does he actually know what chlorothalonil is um, because i've been there you know, when I interned, I interned at Westchester Country Club that hosted the PGA Tour event, and I worked at Augusta National. Great experiences. Was there for the 2000 
four masters when Phil had like his two inch vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and great experiences that I'll remember the rest of my life, but I can honestly sit here and say, what did I learn while I was at Augusta? I went and did the same thing every day. I mowed the same greens every morning. I raked the same bunkers every day. I push mowed and weed eat it every afternoon. You know, outside of, you know, familiarizing yourself and gaining the experience of hand watering bent grass greens in Georgia, I can't really honestly remember what I've, I've done. And I'm fearful that kids are getting so caught up in the moment of exposing themselves to that, that they're putting themselves in that situation that I'm now in, you know, 15 years later from being at Augusta, that looking back at it, how much did that do for my career? You know, I don't think I've ever asked Pete, but did Pete hire me because I had those two clubs on my resume? Or did he hire me because I had 10 years of experience prior to that working in Virginia at courses throughout the state? So he knew I was exposed to a lot of different tasks, right? So I think it's very important that the message starts getting sent to students that, yeah, by all means, if you can go work the Masters or you can go work a U.S. Open or you can go do that, do that, great, do it. But utilize all four years and try to put yourself in a situation where you can intern at a place that you know you're going to be exposed to everything. And whether that's not being lost in a number, and by that I mean I was one of 12 at Augusta, mm-hmm. you know, I was one of four at Westchester. Huge difference alone right there. To me, that would be one of my first questions if I was an intern right now. I would ask, how many interns do you get? Because I would be fearful that if there was 12, I'm always going to be stuck doing the, the grunt work, you know? I think that's very important, and I truly hope that that's being broadcasted in the university on the university level. Um, you know, because I think it's important that the next generations, the ones that are coming behind us, realize and understand there is only a small percentage that are going to be able to host and do that. And the odds are, unfortunately, you're not going to achieve that as a superintendent. So why not put yourself in a situation right now that can allow you to gain the most practical working experience possible? It's the way I look at it. We're going to take a brief break for a message from our sponsor. With a commitment to quality and a passion for sourcing the latest innovations from Europe and North America, Steck Equipment has grown to be the go-to supplier for specialized turf equipment. Check out their line of phrase mowers, material handlers, laser graders, vacuum sweepers, blowers, verticutters, and seeders, decompactors, sand fillers, and much more at steckequipment.com. That's S-T-E-C equipment.com. We're back on the ladder with Josh Saunders of Longview Golf Club in Verona, Pennsylvania. You've said how you want to be one of those guys who has the lengthy tree of protégés who have sort of fallen off the branch around you. Can you expand on that a little bit? I feel like probably outside of, uh, you know, I think once you become a superintendent and you get your first few years under your belt, the agronomics and the growing grass and the maintaining turf is all second nature. You know, my job right now is all about managing my budget, managing my membership, 
and managing my assistants. And that's how I look at it. Uh, I'm not ashamed to say that I manage my assistants probably more than I manage my staff because I use it as a working opportunity for my assistants to lead my staff. And that's how I believe. That's my MO. And I think a lot of that comes from my background and working with Pete and working with Pete when at Kenlock and you know how much emphasis he put on career development with the assistants and what he involved us in. You know, I remember being, you know, 24 years old, 23 years old, and all I could think about after a 12-hour day of hand-watering and working is I wanted to go to that bar. But I came in at the end of the day, and there was a vendor sitting in Pete's office. And, you know, it wasn't mandatory, but we sat down because we wanted to hear the conversation. And Pete was okay with that and encouraged that. And I do the same now. Um, and in return, that kind of gets back with what I'm saying in that, you know, I put so much emphasis on my assistants because I want to better them. I want to, you know, I want to have this huge tree, almost like Pete. I mean, he is my mentor. Why wouldn't I want to one-up him? And, you know, so I want to have this huge tree to where one day, you know, I could sit down at National and have dinner with looking across a table of X amount of, of pupils that I've, I've pushed out, I've produced, and hearing their stories, you know, and laughing because they're now going through what I went through and taking it to a different level and not only being able to advise and help within my own realm at my course, but help them at those, you know. I've been a soup now for five years and I've already had my first assistant move on to become a superintendent. I feel good about that. I'm excited for him. I'm excited to, to grow with him in that opportunity. Um, so it's very important to me, very, very important to me to continue their education, um, to expose them to anything and everything that I can. Um, I probably do it too much. It's probably annoying to them, but I think hopefully Maybe you'll be doing an interview with them five or six years from now and they would talk of me like I talked to Pete. And, you know, that's my ultimate goal. How important is it for people who want to become a superintendent to have varying experience, as a, whether it be as an intern or as an assistant, managing different types of grass and different geographic areas and different geographic conditions so that they have a well-rounded experience and then the day someone does come and knock on your door, whether it's in California right. or Pittsburgh or Florida or Seattle, you're ready for that opportunity. Well, I think everyone is going to have an entirely different answer for you on that one. I think everyone has their own opinion. For me, I think you utilize that. You try to gain those multiple experiences, whether it's in geographically or grass-wise, species-wise, during your internship years. You know, I think it's very important that as you take the step into an assistant position, you're setting yourself up and you're putting yourself in a region or market, a grass that you could foresee yourself doing for a long term. Because as a manager now, I look at those things. You know, I maintain POA, POA Greens. Someone that has experience with that in hand watering or applications, et cetera, et cetera, is obviously going to be at the top of the list compared to someone from the South that has all warm season experience.
So I think you need to utilize, you know, my advice to assistants or those making that first step is utilize your internships to gain your familiarity and realize what you want to do. You know, internships are for exposure, fun, and paving your future, right? Mm -hmm. So I think doing that allows you to foresee where you're going to be, and that's going to help you when you're in a on a pile of resumes and comparing to other applicants. <laughs> as far as when you become an assistant, I think then you have to segue to the caliber of operation you want to be. You know, are you okay with mom and pop and what you make in May is what you spend in June? Do you want that family-oriented private club kind of that you know goes after the middle class type individual where you're gonna have some pressures but not nearly as pressure oriented as a high-end private club you know set yourself up and expose yourself to those type settings as an assistant because it's only going to better prepare yourself when you start sending out that resume for your first head job. Josh, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thank you. You have been listening to The Ladder on TurfNet Radio. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher for instant access to past and future episodes of The Ladder and other TurfNet Radio podcasts.